You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Casey. My name is Dan. And I'm Aaron. Are you guys ready to talk politics? I think we can do this without being divisive, right? Yeah. Uh, It's a good thing that we're not in the same room because then I can't punch you. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to be, you know, as much as I'm joking about that, like, to be fair, though, like, that's really kind of become the state of things nowadays. If you have a difference in political opinion, it turns into a fight even yep. with family or loved ones. And it's, it's, it's definitely unfortunate that it's gotten to that point, but I mean, with the state of things are, everybody's very, very passionate about what they believe in. Yeah. And fortunately for us, I don't think the itch has drastically different opinions and viewpoints on most things. And so it's not that hard for us to be civil to each other. Although I, you know, know that each of us have had our difficulties with other people that we've encountered and kind of trying not to fall into what you just said in terms of, you know, it having to be a fight and it's very hard. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, our show is rock matters. And obviously there's a lot of political news that matters to rock and rock artists and the whole spectrum of, of the rock industry. So we're going to discuss that of why politics matters in rock or rock matters to politics. Yeah. I think one of the ways that rock matters in politics uh, is that music can be an outlet to express thoughts and feelings on the state of things and it can be a tool for social commentary and because it's just it's a great outlet for emotion as well as some of the artists that are coming out these days are are very good at expressing their emotion particularly about the political state of things yeah i agree with that and some artists have have turned to a call to action you know basically getting people out to vote and trying to do everything that they can to conjure up their base. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, conjure. It sounds like magic. Yeah. It just, they did a spell and now their base is here. <laughs> no, but a lot of artists do use their, their platform to, you know, rile up their base and try to get their base activated and uh, to, to help move further their message. One of those happens to be one of our favorite current artists, grandson. Yeah. He's been very active this year in calling out the vote, working with other artists to do the same thing. And it's it's been quite a, a spectacular thing to be a part of. Not that I'm personally a part of it, but uh, to, to see going on and to, you know, be able to come along for the journey, I guess. Grandson did a thing throughout this year, and we talked about it some back in episode six, but we'll, we'll touch on it again here, where he has been releasing a new track or a, a collaboration once every month, pretty much all year leading up to the election. And within those tracks, if you look them up on streaming services or pretty much anywhere, not only do you see the title, but you see this this parenthetical title of like text, whatever, to this number. And basically, he was incorporating in like the metadata to his tracks how to get people to vote. And I thought that was a, just a genius like a way to sort of uh, work within that system of putting out music. Yeah, if there's one thing that he's really good at is with just working modern ideas and using them to his advantage. Right. One of the key differences with this was the style in which he did did all of the songs because it was more of a acoustic style. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was definitely different musically. Yeah, I was listening earlier today to the uh, the the text voter kind of 
it's an EP version, basically, if you want to call it that. It's four songs from that little series on Spotify. And it was like you said, they're all very his his vocals carried a lot of the emotion and the pain because they weren't put against, you know, his heavier or more complex music. It was definitely more on that lighter, not lighter. It was more stripped down. More on that stripped down side. Exactly. Yeah. And those are there's some good songs and a lot of them. It's not even that every track is about social issues or politics per se. Some of them are just talking about how he's basically battling depression and kind of sick of it. Yeah. So there's that, that personal touch in there as well. But but he's kind of part of this like new generation of artists. Artists have, have talked for a long time in their songs about social issues and change and whatnot. It's pretty much the entirety of since music as like a public thing existed. But I feel like we have this new generation that's taking some fairly novel approaches to how they do stuff and how they organize. And um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting and exciting. Well, with the age of pandemic, it's not like they can get out there and, you know, do a call to arms. <laughs> they can't have live concerts anymore. So, that you know, they're having to be uh, uh, creative. But they can do a lot of virtual events and various things that mobilize people using technology. And and so that's one of those things that's grandson's been doing and they can have, you know, major social media presence for better or worse. And that's where you see artists like like Fever 333 is another one that hops into that. Um, If you go back over the past week or two as they've uh, released their newest EP, you'll see a lot of posts from them basically organizing and strategizing and kind of having these. They're setting up events to kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, maybe to declare a state of the union kind of situation. I, I highly recommend going and looking into that, put it that way. Yeah, they're a band that's really kind of come quickly up on my radar. And uh, I'm, I'm really liking what I'm hearing from them for one. But it's, you know, as you were kind of talking about, there's a, a new generation of, of political activist group. And I would definitely call them one of, you know, I definitely think that they'd fit in with that group. You know, that EP that just came out, the the first track on there is a song called Bite Back. And it's all about basically <laughs> it's all about what's going on with the state of, you know, police brutality and how it's, uh, you know, that that violence that's going on between police and, and protesters and things like that. Wrong Generation, the new EP there is, is very intense is the best way I would I would put it. This is um, I feel like. I feel like Rage Against the Machine is, and we talk about them a lot, is is kind of the go-to most mainstream known socially conscious rock group that's out there trying to to deliberately, that is the purpose of their music. And I kind of feel like Fever really fits the mold of that with this intensity and this very hard on the sleeve passion. Um, I still, as we talked about back in the Head PE episode, don't know if anybody has matched Zach in being able to touch on so many like global issues in such a effective way in their lyrics. But uh, what, what fever may lack a tiny bit in that they definitely make up for in, in passion. Well, I think the only one that would rival Zach, in my opinion, is Serge Tankian of system of a down. Uh, but I mean, the problem is that both raging's machine and system of a down have been nowhere to be found for years. Um, I guess they, you know, they felt that the world was safe when Obama became president and, <laughs> And didn't need to continue making political music anymore. 
that's this one take on it. That's actually how this episode came to be. We've been planning for a long time to do an episode in the lead up to the election uh, discussing that it's been 15 years since the final System of a Down albums came out. It was in May and November of 2000 with, with Mesmerize and Hypnotize. And yeah, you don't need to remind me. We don't need to remind you. We might need to remind some of the other folks. And no. and we've missed this system. And I and guess. also, yeah. Also of note, it's been 20 years since the final True Rage album, which even that was a covers album with Renegades. And both of those bands have been present. They've made return appearances and perform concerts and their members have done plenty of other things. And Tom Morello in particular has even very much kind of carried that rage political torch. So but, you want to hear something funny? Yeah. Um, so when I was in high school, uh, you know, most of us kind of get our, our political opinion when we're younger from our parents. I mean, I could be wrong. Not everybody does. I'm not saying that everybody does, but most of us do. Um, and my parents were very conservative. They still are. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, in high school and the very early parts of college, I was I, I considered myself a conservative. But the more and more that I got into music, especially System of a Down, because System of a Down at that time was one of my favorite bands by and far. I had loved them and still do. Uh, but obviously, like you said, they haven't made an album or new music in 15 years. So I have moved on. Um <laughs> since then but uh you know no i i I do think that you know it's it's hard for some people to believe that music can change opinion or political opinions but that that literally has shaped my political life and those two bands in particular rage against machine and and system of a down more so system but that is something that that has purely purely helped shape my political life because hearing a song like prison song for instance in 2001 and I'm not going to lie, back in high school, I was a stupid kid. I was driving around. Well, I wasn't driving, but somebody else was driving around with five of us in a car. We were all smoking dope and, and getting high and, and driving around like idiots. And But because we were four white kids and one black kid, we didn't get harassed by the cops. And, and so like when, when I heard songs like Prison Song or Mr. Jack, I I, I really couldn't for me personally, I couldn't understand that kind of stuff because it hadn't happened to me, but it's just stuff like that. That kind of helped open my eyes and understand that, that the world is not all black and white. It, there's a lot of gray to it. And, and bands like system of down really did help open my eyes and, and shape my political life. Yeah. And a lot of differences or the difference with system of a down is a lot of their stuff is even more political going, you know, across the world with Armenia and, and all the uh, conflict over there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, one of the reasons why they became a band was because they wanted to shed light on the Armenian genocide that the world continues to deny. And if, you know, they have a song about it called Pluck that was on their first album, their self-titled album. And if you want to know more about the Ar- Armenian genocide, just look it up. There's plenty of information out there, but because of the powers that be, they've basically squashed it and quelled it to make it not a thing. It's it's crazy that that there's that much power that you know they can just make a whole entire race that was gen- you know genocided against. I don't know how they how you say that. Um, <laughs> and the sad thing is that Surge still has to carry that torch or, or chooses to, but needs to somebody I guess. Uh, and if even if you follow him now, um, he's still is one of his main missions right now 
is to bring light to the atrocities going on against his people, um, which is particularly interesting given how many other artists are at this point, America has become so polarized and so intense in our political issues that um, it kind of seems like a lot of artists are really just zeroing in right at home. Whereas somebody like him is, is also trying to make sure that we don't forget about things going on in other parts of the world as well. Yeah. So I, I have a, a question for you that I'm, I'm curious about. So we just, we just mentioned grandson and fever um, and then system and rage. And I've, I've been wondering, and I, I kind of have have come to some thoughts on this one, but uh, I'm wondering how System and Rage would have aged had they continued to make albums throughout the past two decades or 15, 20 years. Because um, for one, I think now as humans, none of them seem to have lost their fire and their passion. But in terms of being able to reach and inspire people, do you think that a voice can continue to carry the same authority for forever? Or do you think it's sometimes you need to have fresh voices come in, even if they're saying similar things? I think rage could, I don't know that system could just because of the differences of opinion of the band itself. Yeah. And I was actually going to say, I think both. Um, I think you need to have those, those new voices come in regardless of, you know, whether or not the old voices are still there. Um, but considering a lot of the stuff that system of a down sang about is still relevant because it hasn't really been fixed. Right. I do think that they would, I do think that system of a down would still be able to continue the, with the political motive that they had. Uh, and I, yeah, raging against the machine. There's no doubt that they would, I mean, Tom Morello is still doing, everything he can to continue to push the political message. And he's freaking awesome at it, by the way. <laughs> I think, I think both of those bands are very interesting stories in different ways. And I try to think about what it would be like or, or, or what has happened with them. So like system of a down, we've gone on record on the radio show plenty of times as saying that that's a band where they need to be together the, the, for their music to be at its best. Like, the parts yeah. don't work as well by themselves because they've all created things, music outside of system. And it's not that it's bad, but I, it ain't good. Yeah, I was going to say for, for <laughs> I don't, I admit, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that anybody on the itch would say that any system solo stuff has been as good as system. Any of it. No, them fighting words. If you say that we're fighting, <laughs> <laughs> it gets, it gets worse as you talk about different members of the band. Yes. Well, right. Yeah. And we can definitely touch on that in a minute as we should. But, but then I think about rage and, you know, you had a period of time where most of the band went on and did audio slave, which was not a particularly political band, but it, they, it, it existed and they put did some solid work. And then you had Prophets of Rage, which which is kind of what made me think of this question, because in my opinion, Prophets of Rage was a thing that on paper looked fantastic because you had not even just Rage, but you also had you had Chuck D uh, from Public Enemy. You had Be Real from Cypress Hill. It was basically this like social activist, like rap rock super group. And to be honest, I didn't care for hardly anything that they did, and I didn't feel like they felt nearly as important as the original bands that all of them came from. 
I honestly think that they were put together just to be a live band. I don't really think that they, I don't think that they put a lot of work into making their album and their music. Cause they were more about playing cause live. They were amazing. Like, cause the, you know, they, they sang rage songs. They sang public enemy songs, right, they sang yeah. Cypress Hill songs. That was amazing. I absolutely loved seeing them live. They were fantastic. I was but just, I, I don't think that they did spend a lot of time trying to compose the actual album itself. Yeah. I think I would just have a hard time believing like you, like the story you just told about these bands kind of opening your eyes to some different things. I would have a hard time believing that profits did that for very many people. Now on the flip side, you know, like you said, Tom's done a bunch of other things too, that I think were both musically relevant. Uh, he did the, the Atlas underground with a lot of more up and coming artists that I think was, was a very useful and savvy move. And then Zach, even though he's kind of reclusive, when he does come out and do something and, and over the past year, few years, he's kind of become like this unofficial, like third member of run the jewels sort of where he pops up on all their albums. He still is intense and he still, he still spits fire whenever he goes out there. And <laughs> it just, it makes me miss rage and want Zach more and, and kind of the same with system. Like I said, I don't, I think that there's a place for those. Well, maybe let me, let me scratch that thought. That's not actually true. <laughs> but it seems like they it seem so it seems like those bands have kind of not passed the torch they sort of you know collectively moved on to different things and then other bands came along and sort of picked up that ball and ran with it for a new generation and i do think kind of going back to that original question i think that's important because i feel like you have this generation of of you know like today's high schoolers and college students and whatnot who yeah System and Rage and some others are big enough that they've probably heard of them, but they're more in touch and in tune with their own peers, I feel like, the, in the newer generation of music than the stuff that was from 20 years ago. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that the political bands have changed with the times, too. I mean, you know, depending on what's going on, you know, there's obviously different things to talk about and to, to try to make better. But, you know, along, you know, one of the bands I don't think that we that we mentioned that kind of carried the torch between those the, those sets of bands because you're talking about a, basically a, a period of ten years or so where there was no kind of strong political band. But I I do think that Hailstorm, um, you know, they're not necessarily all about the politics per se, but she's very very uh, active in basically in women's rights and you know equality for women and and especially in the rock industry and so i think that there there are other bands that that kind of have their their niche in the political world and you know it's not all just about talking about the government or or whatever might be the case i think there's all kinds of niches that that certain bands are able to find and, and make a spot for themselves yeah and i feel like another good example of that would be Fire from the Gods, because a lot of people nowadays, they don't generally see things left or right leaning. It's more about focusing on unity and trying to just kind of get along. So there was an interview that I read from AJ from Fire of the Gods. He said that he has his own political views on politics, America and globally, but he feels that it's something bigger, and that's humanity. And it's about how we interact with each other and, and our unity. Yeah, that's awesome. So Fire from the Gods kind of has this motto that they, they share with a lot of things that they do, and it's, in us we trust. 
which is this idea that kind of what you were saying that for humanity and and a country to be successful, there has to be sort of this faith in each other and this desire, at least a desire for unity. I'm not going to say it's always possible in every single situation, but, but if you lose, I think if you lose that desire, then you open up the doors to a lot worse problems. And I'll just, you just really encourage that division that much more when you're, if you get too caught up in demonizing somebody who thinks differently than you, rather than seeing, I don't know, either looking for a common ground or at least trying to understand where they're coming from so that you could hopefully speak to them in a way that might maybe correct. Yeah. Well, some and wrong just, thinking. just I don't valuing people for the, yeah. just being people and not just their opinions on specific topics. It's interesting. Cause I've seen a few, so recently, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this at all. The Democratic and Republican uh, candidates for the governor for the state of Utah created a, a joint political ad where they worked together and they basically both in kind of humorous fashion said, hey, the election's coming up. I think you should vote for me. And the other guy's like, but really, I think you should vote for me. But pretty much their whole point was, you know, but but we're not going to slander each other and we're not going to pretend like the other one is trying to, you know, destroy the state or something. They're basically saying like, we both in our way believe that we're trying to improve life for, for people. And we just think about that in different ways. And, and I don't know, how do you guys feel about that kind of idea? Cause a lot of comments were like, this is the exact kind of way I want politics to be. I want to see it that way. And then <laughs> other people were like, yeah, but if, you know, this person does and supports this evil thing that I just absolutely detest. I don't know how you could be that civil to him and say he's just looking out for the best interest. And so some people really liked it and some people weren't buying it at all. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad when this, you know, the state of political ads where people just get fed up with it and with all the attack and mudslinging type ads where when someone doesn't pull that route, then you kind of like that person simply because they didn't do it <laughs> right. regardless of, regardless of their affiliation or their actual views on things. It's like, Oh, well that person didn't call that guy a piece of shit. Uh, I'm going to vote for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, I mean, it's, it is sad that that's, it's become so malicious and it's, that's one thing that, you know, I, I will, I will say that I, I I consider myself a Facebook troll, but I don't sit there and I don't <laughs> attack people personally because that is when they they shut down and they're not going to listen or hear your debate. And I think that's what it's turned into so many personal attacks and the issue. And, and I'm going to kind of step on my soapbox here. The beginning of all of these these slanderous political ads. I mean, it's been going on for a long time, but the, the beginning of when it started getting out of hand is when Citizens United became a thing. Uh, if it was ever since, and if you don't know what Citizens United is, let me go ahead and describe this real quick. So what Citizens United is, is in 2010, the Supreme Court decision further tilted political influence towards wealthy donors and corporations. When that was decided about by the Supreme Court, a five to four majority, basically the ruling that corporations and other outside groups can spend unlimited amount of money on elections. And the issue is that you don't have to state where that money is coming from. So honestly, because of this, we could have foreign governments pouring money into our election, but we wouldn't know. 
It's mm, I mean, yeah. it, it's ridiculous, to be honest. And we do have foreign governments pouring money into our elections. <laughs> and like, that's what's that's what's so crazy about it, it was supposed to be, you know, to give the the. Uh, it was supposed to be able to give the more, more money back into the, you know, to the people to help them decide what what they wanted their politics to be about. But it, it really turned it more corrupt than anything else. I can I'll I'll go ahead and put this out there. This might be an episode that uh does not set well sit well with people. I don't cuz I'm trying to <laughs> But let's just I'll be honest. So so to your point, for whatever one may think of either one of them, that's not really the point I'm trying to make. I'm going to be honest, oftentimes it feels like the Democratic Party is owned by Planned Parenthood and the Republican Party is owned by the NRA. Yep. Those those are very powerful forces that have a lot of influence in the decisions that those that those parties make and they're not the only ones and it's I'm not, I'm not trying to oversimplify but it does feel kind of like that a lot of times it does i i i would tend to disagree with you i think the religious people think that the democrat party is owned by the planned parenthood but i i don't think that at all well nonetheless i think it even it still works into what you're saying about there being you know wealthy agendas that have more agenda. influence yeah Hidden or not even hidden. I mean, I yeah. think that both of those organizations are are pretty straightforward about what they do and what they're about. And but nonetheless, there's just a lot of influence from from organizations in in that way. And I don't know. We've gotten a little bit into divide what's dividing the parties themselves, and, to, and also, I mean, kind of segued out of what divides people. Yeah. Not. I was going to say, though, that, so that's I, I think that's kind of was the beginning of when uh, this real hard divisiveness uh, started, because, you know, I remember back in 2008 when Obama was running against McCain and McCain, he was he was a staunch conservative, but he was such a respectable guy in the sense that there, you know, one of his campaign rallies, somebody started talking negatively about Obama and he took the microphone from them and said and basically defended Obama. You know, hmm. and said he was a stand-up family guy, and, and and that kind of mutual respect among people has just been lost. And, and I think that, you know, until until we get that back, like it's it's going <laughs> to continue to be malicious, and and people are going to continue attacking, like personally attacking, not just attacking their beliefs, but attacking, like personally attacking them. And I think that's where it's gotten out of control. I mean, there's no reason to personally attack anybody if you just have just because you have different beliefs that's that's ridiculous well it's gotten worse and worse over time because and it's 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 a sad reality that every time it's like okay i'm going to choose the lesser of two evils like out of all the people that we could <laughs> choose to be president it's like oh well these are your two choices <laughs> as as south park says every election seems to be between a douchebag and a turd sandwich yeah, <laughs> I will never forget that. Every time there's an election, I think about that, <laughs> and the graphic, the imagery with that. It's like, okay, yeah. but it's see, up to I'm, you to decide which one's the the douchebag and which one's the turd sandwich. <laughs> I'm not convinced that that it's a terribly new thing, or even that it's necessarily an increasing thing. This kind of like go for the jugular kind of thing, and I'm only use I'm using this half in jest and half seriously. Because I think that, um, how do I put this? So take Hamilton, for example. <laughs> yeah. We're talking the founding of our nation. And granted, Hamilton is entertainment and not a purely historically accurate thing. But they 
the way that things go down in that wasn't inaccurate in a lot of ways. And that includes, you know, your people who are fighting for, for leadership, doing shady things to each other, saying really disrespectful things about each other. I feel like that's been present from the start. I guess the question is, is it necessary or is there a way around it? I mean, so if you, if you truly feel that the person on the other side actually is doing things that are straight up damaging for the public. I feel like in some way you do have to make that clear, but um, it also is very easy for that to just become a way to rile up your base and to get a bunch of people with pitchforks going, yeah, get them instead (laughs) of actually thinking critically about stuff. You know what? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like if I'm running against an honest to goodness Nazi, I'm not going to talk about how civil I want to be with him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk yeah. about how this is an evil person that needs to have no power in this in this, you know, leadership. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we want to talk about maybe we could reform him. Sure, we can talk about it, but he ain't going to be we're not going to allow him to be reformed while he's, you know, leading something. But I mean, that's an extreme example. But, you know, conversations about stuff always end up going to Hitler. So, <laughs> well, you know, what ties people together is music and especially hey. rock music. Uh Let's cycle this back around a little bit. <laughs> you know, I think an artist that all of us can get behind is Gary Clark Jr. Like, oh, so this... I thought we were going to say Kanye, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Gary Clark Jr. is the Kanye with a guitar, except for he, except for he's sane. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's 2020. Why not give it to Kanye? <laughs> Go on, Gary Clark Jr. Tell us about him a little bit more. We talked about well, him just... a few episodes back, but we need to talk about him more. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, like if, if you listen to a lot of his songs, he, he's got some great political, uh, you know, songs and, and just great messages. Like, what about us? That's actually one of my favorites. And we kind of explained in the past reason why, but I just I love his messages. And, and it's it's another kind of thing, like with System of a Down and Rage Against Machine when I was younger. You know, it's another way that my eyes have technically been open because I don't. I'm not black. I don't understand the black experience in, in America because I, I, you know, I can see it. I can learn about it. I can research it, but I will never be able to walk in their shoes. So, you know, songs like this land, especially as a homeowner, like it, it's just crazy to to think that like, you know, he was persecuted just because of the neighborhood he lived in. And, it, and it's just things like that, that Without music, I don't think I would have come to understand the extreme of situations like that. Yeah. Conversation over mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a great point to bring up. You were talking earlier about how, you know, you were raised one way and partially, at least through some of these bands, you started sort of challenging some of those thoughts. And I kind of had a similar situation. And I think that to truly challenge things, it came a little bit later for me. Um, but I think that an important part of that is recognizing. So for most of my life, I did not at all recognize that other people's stories could be very different than mine. Even if we lived in like the same city or the same neighborhood, I kind of just, I don't know if it was a sheltered situation or just uh, my own naivete, but I've. I just kind of assumed that most people grew up in similar situations to what mine was. And mine was, was a middle-class American family. And, you know, we, we did well enough. We had times where we 
didn't have all that much, but we had enough. We were never like in, in severe need or anything like that. Um, and so it kind of blew my mind when I really discovered the diversity of people's experiences that they can they can have um, from economic s- situations or skin colors or home situations, the kind of uh, way you grow up. Uh, it's just it's all across the board and that forms you into completely different people. And so if you're if you're talking to someone and you're making the presupposition that they came from the same place you did you're likely to make a lot of bad assumptions about them in how you view them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so Gary Clark's a, a good example of, of that for sure. And one of the positives that's come out this year in the past few years really is there's a lot of people sharing those stories about the diversity of the experiences that they've had. And really, I think it's enlightening and making people uncomfortable sometimes too, Whoa. but enlightening people to the fact that it's not all the same for everybody. I think the main difference this year, though, is that people are actually listening. I think people Mm -hmm. have been sharing their stories for years, but people are actually listening this year. Yeah, right. I think and the pushback's been super hard as well. But there's there's definitely um, I mean, I can say that that's been a big part of my year, not just because it's all over the news and you've got, you know, like race and and police related riots and whatnot going on, but just all that stuff has inspired me to think more critically about those things and look into them more and, and to hear more, to listen, like you said. Yeah. And to not just follow, follow the crowd just because that's what you've heard or how you feel here. Oh, you got, you got more on that. Cause I got a little soapbox related to that. <laughs> I do. I do go for it. So a couple weeks ago, by the time this drops, uh, nothing but thieves had a song off their new album, Can You Afford to Be an Individual? And besides it being an absolute killer track, which you should definitely listen to, the last minute 20 of the song, this is the lyrics of the song. So how's it being a prisoner of your own illusion, up on a pedestal reveling in your own confusion? I see you hide behind your altar and your constitution, but you can't live forever in your echo chamber. And you're so scared of the people up in your fairyland, but how can you hate something you don't even understand? You're a walking contradiction in a MAGA hat. It's where I want to be. God bless the land of the free. So who are you to tell us where we do and don't belong? And who are you to tell us who to love and who to not? Because your mother told you you would win when you were young. Oh, it's a boy's wonderland. We know it now. Now the liberals aren't liberal, they're just as venomous. But you can't have an opinion unless you're one of us. No second chances, you're branded, your kind are dangerous. We're bringing each other down, we're tearing each other down. So have I gotta kill myself to be original? And if I fucking hate you all, am I a criminal? Can you afford to be an individual? Can you afford to be an individual? Well, dang. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's intense. Is that does that summarize a lot of your thoughts at the moment, Casey? It does. <laughs> yeah, that's that's those are strong words and, and a strong track. Although that's that's not the point at the moment. But <laughs> that's that's another thing I love about music is that sometimes when you can't find words, you know how you feel or how to express how you feel, like there's always seems to be a song that that does that for you. And I think that's a great representation of that. That's a good point. 
Yeah, because and it it doesn't just focus on one side; it focuses on everything as a whole. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing to get kind of back on on the soapbox is that is incredibly important. Um, you know, there there are uh, how do I want to put this? You have to be willing to challenge your own beliefs and your own like the ideology of the people you resonate with. Okay. So whether you are hardcore, you know, blue or red, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. If you treat everything that your side says or does as okay. And as good. And everything that the other side does is vile and evil. I think you have to be willing to look for common grounds or positive things on the other side of the aisle. And you also have to be willing to be critical of your own side whenever they screw up, because I think it's just very few things in life are as truly binary as, as that, as you can believe this set of things or this set of things, there's no in between, there's no mixing and matching, no third option, no gray area, whatever that to me is nonsense. Yeah, I agree. And there's, there's a lot of folks out there that just buy that party's, you know, narrative and side of things wholeheartedly and don't question it at all. And I find that super dangerous. Yeah. And so like, I'm just like my encouragement to anybody, and this will be released right before the official voting day. I know a lot of people have voted early and mailed in and whatnot, which is awesome, which is great. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, but my, yeah, my thing is just like embrace nuance, look for it, try, try to find benefit of the doubt and, don't be like you can even still represent and be a big supporter of your party while being critical of them that's okay like if we have a friendship and one of us here on this show thinks that the one of the other guys is really you know in the wrong about something or doing something damaging to themselves or others we should probably make mention of that if we care you know yeah <laughs> if we don't then that's that's just a this that's a poor friendship it's a poor way to have a relationship and i think that goes similarly to political parties i agree 100 i think that too many times it's it's party over country and i mean we have to remember that this is the greatest fucking country in the world and there's a reason why is because we are our melting pot we have so many different ideas and before you know 15 years ago we actually used to listen to each other and you know come together and have you know good conversations and and meld our ideas but like you said everything has become so you know, red or blue. And as we said earlier, as I said earlier in the show, everything is not red or blue. It's not black and white. It, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of uh, purple, so to speak. Just, yeah. <laughs> for me, for me personally, there's a lot of purple. And yeah. <laughs> or, you know, if you go one way further or the other, there might be a lot of light blue or, or a lot of light, <laughs> light red. For right. some of you out there, it might be a lot of yellow or a lot of green. Yeah, that's exactly. A whole, that's a whole different thing. But <laughs> <laughs> that's true. There, there is uh, some some libertarians and some green partyists out there as well. That right. you know, and I I agree. I think that's one thing that's that's been unfortunate that we've gotten to such a, a two party system, and that's like that's it. There's 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 one view or the other, and I think that with music, we you know, there's different views and music that we listen to them all. I think that that we need to get back to that. And to, to kind of tie back into what we were saying before, one of the, the things that we're interested in in the developing story, particularly of System of Down, and particularly where it concerns like the divided state of our nation, is Serge and John yeah. from that band, brothers-in-law, mind you. Yeah. 
And I had no idea they were brothers in law. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and here we are. And these two find themselves on the opposite ends of the political spectrum um, with, with John coming out publicly as a supporter of our current president and Serge very much not being. Um, <laughs> and, and it's interesting. I don't know if you guys have read, have you guys read any of the, like the interviews or discussions? Yeah. I was, I was blown away to find out that somebody that was in a band called System of a Down could possibly be conservative and, and, and so supportive <laughs> of, of the, uh, the the Republicans. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I respect his opinion. I, I'm actually one that, that will listen to people's opinions. I, I, I just I think that it, it's gotten so far beyond uh, opinions have turned into a fact now recently. And I think that that's where that's where it's hard to to take someone seriously when they, they believe what they're saying is fact when it, it is in fact not. Sure. So, so if you guys will, will humor me a minute to quote some of this, cause I think this is interesting. So, so Serge did an interview recently with Forbes and he kind of discussed their relationship. And, and I honestly, I kind of respected what both of them said, at least regarding each other and that relationship. So what Serge says is, yeah, he's my bro. He's my brother-in-law and my drummer. And it's frustrating being politically opposite you know, to your own drummer and brother-in-law. He also says that's having to do with American politics. When it comes to Armenian issues, we're on the exact same page. He says, we know what injustice is happening and we work together. And so that's really interesting because he, he kind of says, you know, the Armenian nation is united, whether you voted Republican or Democrat or neither here. And so he was very, I feel like respectful and polite about it. And, and like, like I said before, Serge isn't spending that much time speaking out to American elections. He says, normally I'm vo- very vocal about that kind of thing, but right now this war and the daily death toll back home, if you, again, yeah. follow Surge, he's still speaking to some atrocities being committed against the Armenian people. He says, that's taken up my full spectrum of, of focus. And so to his credit, he really turns that question and that conversation into looking to what they have in common and onto the bigger issue than, than whether or not Serge and John are on the same page because there's bigger things at stake than that. And then John, for his part, he says, System of a Down has a legacy of being left-leaning, which isn't always the case. He says, Serge is responsible for the lyrics, and I don't speak for any of the individuals except for myself, and neither does he. But because he had the platform of writing the lyrics, the perception was out there that that's how the whole band felt at all times. John says, I don't even think Serge necessarily felt all those ways at all times. He says, you're supposed to have diversity of opinion even within your own mind, and you should judge things based on information that's presented to you. So, I, I mean, I don't agree with a lot of where John has landed at the moment, but I think that the statement of being open to diversity of opinion in your own mind and judging information that's presented, at least that is valid. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, it, we also live in a time where you get different information depending on what voices you're listening to, and so that's kind of where that is. Exactly. But this, this, they both seem to respect each other that yeah so so john later on says i think serge views himself in a way where he's really doing the right thing and he really does care about people he does a lot for individuals in our nation as well he says i believe he's a good person inherently so yeah john goes on to say a little bit that he thinks that serge might be a little bit blinded to where he could be wrong but ultimately they both showed each other i feel like a lot of grace and respect in that despite being so polar opposite in their views so I'll step down unless you guys do what you want with that. <laughs> no, but it, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny, like this band, as much as I love them, I, I truly don't see that they will ever get back together because, you know, now the 
two of them have political differences. And before then they had musical differences and not, not John and Serge, but Serge and Darren. Right. But the right system is not a band currently because of political differences. <laughs> no, that's, that's not what broke them up. Serge actually right. came out saying two years ago that it was him and him alone that decided to break up system of a down. And one of the reasons why he claimed to do so is that he felt to do the same thing with the same people over time is artistically redundant for even for a dynamic outfit like ours. So by the time that the system of a down broke up or went on hiatus, he had felt that he needed a little time to do his own work. And he also felt that majority of the creative processing for system of a down was basically in the hands of Darren at that point. And so he, he wanted to kind of branch out and do his own creative stuff. You know, I'll be honest. If, if those guys aren't in it, if they're not feeling it together, musically or you know ideologically it's probably better that they not be trying to make music together the music would probably suck exactly yeah especially compared to the legacy that they've already set right which kind of brings me to just we won't spend too much time on this but i'm curious as to you guys thoughts on those last two albums i know i believe we've all listened to a little bit of system in the past couple of weeks right yeah yeah Okay, <laughs> definitely. It's been forever since I listened to Hypnotize and Mesmerize. And, and I listened to them this week and I was like, man, I forgot how one, how many good tracks there are spread across these two albums, which is most of the tracks to me. And two, how just weird and goofy they are sometimes. Yeah. Even when they're making a very valid and serious like social point, they're strange about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think about like like violent pornography was a track that I listened to. Today. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what the heck? And the one before it where he talks about like gonorrhea or something. I don't even remember. It's just <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're wild. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, they had di- many different things that inspired them. I, I, I think that the first if I and I could be a little wrong on this, but I'm almost positive. I, I mean, I, like I said, this was one of my favorite bands, but the first two albums were mainly uh, written and, and kind of developed by Serge Tanky. And he had a lot of the, the songwriting process, the lyric process. But when Mesmerize and Hypnotize came out, Darren had just lost his father and he, you know, he was obviously inspired to write. And there's a lot of stuff that is reflective of that dealing with the loss of his dad. But I, I also think that the success of steal this album had a lot to do with that too, because the songs that were on steal this album, a lot of them were written by Darren and so he felt I think because of the success of that he felt more confident in writing songs and I think that I don't know that's my opinion on why the band kind of went the direction that they did yeah and piggybacking off the steal this album I kind of think that that's why they released two albums to begin with is because they write and record so many tracks and probably not every track should be <laughs> released in in certain cases but instead of sitting on it and having people steal it, (laughs) they just kind of wanted to have two albums and put it all out there, which they probably could have (laughs) picked and choosed and and created one great album. And instead you get some of the craziness. And, you know, it's really funny too, because back when uh, I was into system of a down, that's the time of Napster. And so there was a lot of System of a Down that actually people probably still haven't heard, maybe, that you might not even know exists. And I haven't. <laughs> yeah, even Steal This Album. <laughs> Steal This Album wasn't everything from those sessions. No, it, it was just it was right. just more. 
Right. And what's, right. what's interesting to me is that that I don't know if I'd say this if I went back and listened to their whole discography today, which still is only five albums, but for a while still this album was my favorite of their albums which i think is kind of funny since it was like it was not an album they intended to put out yeah toxicity was one of my favorite albums because when i was driving around with the five guys again i wasn't driving but i was riding around with the five guys getting high smoking pot and having a good time that's all we listened to was toxicity we we jammed the crap out of that and blasted it all over town and it was a good time (laughs) i have many good memories with that that album I got a question for you guys kind of leading off of what Casey was just saying. You guys, you know, like one of my things about like, I like to make mixes and like rearrange stuff and stuff. I thought about for this episode, taking hypnotize and mesmerize and seeing if I could make like an ultimate album between the two. Oh my God. But a hypno mesmo hip. Yeah, sure. That, <laughs> but as I listened to it, I was like, I don't think there's enough to cut here actually. So do you guys think, where, where do you guys land on those two? Do you think that they are albums that might've been better as just one thing and some filler cut? Or do you think that they totally deserve, you know, to be their own separate entities? Are they, are they totally strong enough for that? I'm more of in the camp where they could have, they could have cut some of it and just had one album. As a fan of system of down, hell no, uh, no, <laughs> all this, all this music needed to get out. Uh, and uh, <laughs> And it was one year into our radio show. And I mean, I'm almost positive that I played every single song off of these two albums when they came out uh, Pretty just much. because I could yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just wondering, maybe Casey and I will try to put some together. Maybe not. <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on. I probably don't have time for it, but well, the idea did intrigue me at first. And there's, so I have a lot of sentimental value with uh, Mesmerize as well, because there's a song on there called Radio Video. And like I said, we had just started a radio show about a year prior to this album coming out. And the line on there is, I'm on the radio with Danny and Lisa. <laughs> yeah. And to, to make it even more creepier, this has been the year that my Uncle Dean had just passed away as well. I was very, very close to him. Um, I actually kind of got him into a couple of System of Down songs um, and his wife was named Lisa. And so it was just, it, it really kind of, it really hit home to me. Yeah. Um, and Almost so like, too personal. Yeah, yeah, it really was. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I really have a lot of uh, sentimental value with that song. It, it means a lot and it kind of is like my, I consider it like my, myself, uh, my self starter song almost. <laughs> nice. I just thought about how awesome it would have been to have that as our theme song. If we didn't have skin dread, yeah. um, just the, Hey man, look at me rocking out. I'm on the radio. Yeah. Especially if we did YouTube videos, which we haven't done yet, but cause then you could do the whole video thing too. And it'd be perfect. We'll, we'll keep that in our back pocket as an idea to, to reach out for someday. If we need to, yeah, they, they don't, they're not together anymore. They don't Darren will them. slap us down. <laughs> yeah. But somebody owns the rights to that stuff. Yeah, no, I'm just joking. So, <laughs> But yeah, I feel like there's, I wouldn't say that there's a void. That's, I think that was kind of one of the main points I was trying to ponder in terms of socially conscious music. I think I do miss System and Rage as they were, and I don't know that either of them. Definitely System could not right now. I don't know if Rage could either put out anything of the quality that they had before. But it seems like there's a new generation with, you know, we just mentioned a few bands that has taken up that mantle in terms of trying to bring awareness to social issues admittedly particularly from from a more left side view because there are bands that do similar things that are more on the right as well but 
that's kind of not what we're focusing on at the moment. <laughs> so I, I did look up song facts and apparently Danny and Lisa are Darren Malikian's friends from when he was a kid. Aw. So it it, it kind of makes more sense. The, the lyrics anyway make more sense, but it still makes it relevant to me. I can't say that the song facts change my opinion on this song at all. It's still very <laughs> sentimental. <laughs> I miss system. <laughs> 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 oh man yeah i hope you've enjoyed our political talk i know that you might not agree with everything but the fact of the matter is that we wanted to just open up a discussion i i think that like we've kind of mentioned all throughout the episode it, it's just gotten too much of a one-sided conversation we're not willing to hear other people um you know we can come together with, with music we might have different opinions on music but we're still going to be able to listen and hopefully understand each other and where that person's coming from. Cause we don't understand everybody's experiences. Everybody has different experiences with everything. And the main point of all of this too, is to inspire everybody to go out and vote. One of the greatest things about this country is that we are a democracy. I mean, it's a democratic Republic, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But the point is that we have the ability to go out and vote and make a difference. Uh, and if you don't believe that, just look into how many how many different elections have been decided by just one vote or 1% of a vote? I mean, your vote does matter. And I will, I, I will probably say something that's going to get us in trouble if the uh, head of the radio station listens to this, but the only time I've ever cursed on air is when, when I said, basically, if you don't believe that your vote counts, that's bullshit. And I stand behind exactly what I said then and now, because it is, vital to our democracy that you continue to make your voice heard. I don't care who you vote for. I mean, I kind of <laughs> do, but, but I, the fact of the matter is the more people that go out and vote, the more, the better our democracy will be. Yeah. I think that that's a, that, that does it. I don't think we can go anywhere further than that. Mike drop again. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> These artists are using their voice. Let's use ours as well. I will add one thing. The one thing that's been interesting doing the podcast and having our own Twitter page that supports the podcast is the just respect and love that other podcasts share with each other. And it, if our country could learn from the podcast community and support each other in that way, because, I mean, we all want each other to do well and that's what we should do as a country. We should want the country to do well and not divide everybody. Yes, I agree. Yeah. That's a great point. I hope you've enjoyed our discussion regarding rock music and rock matters and politics. You can continue the discussion on Twitter and other outlets. And we'd love to hear your opinion. If you have any suggestions or any comments, please let us know. We, we want to further that discussion, of course, as long as it's civil. Uh, we do want to hear civil opinions. <laughs> You've been listening to The Itch, Rock Matters. My name is Dan. I'm Casey. And I'm Aaron. Until next time, please go out and rock the vote. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Can I just say that Azerbaijan is a cool name for a country? <laughs> <laughs>